Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of Migrations. I am your host, Nisha Modi. I am so happy to be back to start this season after a long break. I also want to call attention to how I pronounced my last name, Modi. You may or may not have noticed that I said it differently. That's because going forward, I'm going to say my last name with the correct Sanskrit pronunciation. For so long, I have said Modi to make it easier for others to pronounce. It's just one sound, I thought. But in my desire to connect my roots and honor my ancestors, I've decided to say it correctly. As a former speech-language pathologist, I'm aware that there are certain phonemes or sounds that native English speakers do not possess. And that makes sense. However, the the sound is not one of them. So that's that about that. Like I said, I'm really excited for this new season. As I mentioned in my final episode of season one, this season is going to focus on healing and mental health. After all, I'm a feminist healing coach and this is my passion. So why not focus on it, right? Before I get into what this season will look like, I just want to update you on what I've been up to. First of all, my biggest update is that I quit my job. What was my job? For more than four years, I worked as a librarian in a large research university. I learned so much and met so many incredible people, especially BIPOC librarians. And it's what brought me out to Los Angeles, which I now call home. It's where I made a home for myself and my kitties. My mom moved to a wonderful retirement community over here, and I met my partner here too. I also feel like I have a great group of friends, which feels so wonderful to have, especially during times when connection is so important. So getting this job wasn't just about the job. It's about so much more. I know I've made an impact in my career here, and I want to keep doing that. Going forward, I'm going to focus on providing consulting and workshops related to trauma-informed library practices, and I'm going to do my healing coaching work full-time. I came to a point where I was coaching, but I couldn't expand my schedule because of my full-time job. I could only see one-on-one -on -one clients one at a time. I didn't have the space to create new group coaching programs. And I've been buying workshops and webinars about topics I love and then not watching them because I don't have the energy. My inner knowing was just itching to have more capacity for all of this. So I made the decision to leave. But I know I'm not leaving libraries forever. I'll still be connected, but in a different way. I'm excited. I'm scared. But I'm here and I'm doing this. I know there are so many places you can provide mutual aid and invest in. And if you're able, I'd really appreciate your help too. You can subscribe to the Migrations Patreon at patreon.com slash migrations and donate to my BIPOC Healing Fund, which I'll link to in the show notes. This helps me offer scholarships to Black, Indigenous, and or people of color to access my services. And I don't think I've talked to you too much about my coaching and mentoring work, so I'll give you a lowdown. I know I introduced myself last season with my own story, and I'm going to give a little recap so you can understand how I'm grounded. I grew up as the daughter of Indian immigrants. In so many ways, my parents encompassed the immigrant story of working hard and giving their kids a better life, sacrificing their ambitions for duty, and sometimes not even knowing what their dreams were or what that even meant. So here I am full of dreams and desires. I dream of an equitable world. I dream of liberation. I am and have always been an idealist. But that doesn't mean my life has always been ideal. Has anyone's? I am so grateful for what my parents did. And every day, I understand their perspective more and more. My compassion grows despite the deep anger I've had how I was overparented, overcontrolled, and felt pretty suffocated as a child and teenager. All I wanted was freedom 
and a boyfriend, someone who would whisk me away from the square, tightly controlled, and boring life I had. At the same time, as I started my teenage years, I became so interested in humans, the way they thought, felt, and acted. I wondered, why can't we all just get along? Why do we fight? Why do we make things so complicated? So I really got into the way people thought, self-help, motivational speakers, and all that good stuff. I also became really interested in the Hindu scriptures and the more spiritual side of Hinduism, the religion of my parents and their ancestors. I never cared for the ritual aspect of it, but I loved the lessons, especially those that prioritize process over product, and theorized about the self and consciousness. At the same time, I never really understood the harms of Hindu caste. I just took what I liked and left the rest. As I grew older, I found myself distanced from my spirituality and more interested in social justice issues, not realizing how they could actually be connected to spirituality. In the midst of all of this, I met a guy who I would later marry, someone who I forced myself to be compatible with, someone who was emotionally abusive and gaslighted me. And I think, actually I know, a lot of this was connected to my desire to run away from my family's control over me, over how they wanted me to think what they thought instead of think for myself. So instead, I fell in love with his family to compensate for how I felt about my own, and I adjusted the way I thought to the ways my husband and his family thought. And they weren't bad, necessarily, just different and more normative. But I went with it because I needed something to believe in, somewhere I belonged. But this was totally at odds with my wandering and wondering mind. Yet I found ways to convince myself that it was okay. I rationalized ways to make the square peg fit in the round hole. I gaslighted myself. It was eerily similar to how I survived in my home growing up, wanting to escape but finding ways to make it okay because I didn't have any other choice. Coping mechanisms develop early, but awareness of these mechanisms usually happens later. After my father died unexpectedly and I left my abusive and toxic marriage, things really came to a head for me. I was forced to confront the wounds from my childhood, feeling not enough, battling perfectionism, overcoming dependency, and trying to understand how I entered this problematic and incompatible relationship in the first place. And this is where the true healing work came in for me. It started with writing, transition to therapy, then a career change, followed by inner child work and understanding how my nervous system had developed and was actively trying to protect me. And connecting my wounds and the wounds of the world to systemic inequities rooted in capitalism like racism, patriarchy, ableism, transphobia, fatphobia. While we are all one human race, we are racialized. We are gendered. Being able-bodied means you have more resources. And having a big nose means you're ugly according to Western Eurocentric beauty standards. And there are systems that perpetuate this, which can be re-traumatizing and simply unjust. If we are all one human race, what makes it manifest so differently? So I started to see that when those who are marginalized internalize the lies told to us by these systems, we harm ourselves even more, mostly without knowing it. It is so subconscious that no matter how much we read or meditate or go to therapy, we have to dismantle the systems that require us to heal. The effect of colonization and patriarchy affected my parents, their parents, and generations before. This is intergenerational trauma. With that being said, healing, connecting to our bodies, and asking for help are revolutionary in themselves. All of my experiences have led me to right now, to this podcast episode, and the episodes coming up. I carry my story with me when I meet with clients, when I talk to podcast guests, and when I teach about being trauma-informed. These experiences have deeply shaped my values. 
I lead with curiosity, compassion, and vulnerability. And I am always learning while I also unlearn. It is with these values that I seek out liberation and encourage others to do the same. I don't call myself a healer because I think that is something we do individually and collectively. I don't do it for you. We do it together. It is interdependent, not supremacist. This is how I coach, teach, mentor, and connect with others. So how do I do this? I share my world in a variety of spaces. You can always go to my Instagram at HealingHypeGirl for a lot of free content. I post my thoughts about healing and justice, give quick tips for healing, and I do Instagram lives with like-minded folks. I also write memoir and essays, which you can read on my website, www.nishaland.com, in the writing section. And late last year, I started The Healing Hype. The Healing Hype is a space I've created where I imagine ideas around healing, justice, and liberation and provide support and solidarity through healing circles, workshops, meditations, community coaching calls, and an advice column. This is the lowest cost way to work with me at $12 per month or $120 per year. It is truly a steal. And if you are trans or non-binary, for the month of June, you can get the Healing Hype for free for life. If you identify, check out the link in the show notes or else head to www.thehealinghype.com to get it at the regular rate. As for individual coaching, head to the work with me section on my website, nishaland.com, to see my packages. If you have a focused topic you'd like to chat with me about or just need general guidance on how to embark or shift your healing journey, you can schedule an individual appointment with me. Just email me at nisha at nishaland.com or DM me on Instagram. I'm also planning to do some group coaching by the end of 2021, so stay tuned for that. And of course, you can listen to this podcast. Like I said, this season will focus on themes around healing and mental health as it relates to stories of those who carry different Asian identities. I think it's so important to understand the breadth and depth of the many different Asian experiences out there, which is a huge reason I started this podcast. Even saying the quote-unquote Asian experience makes me laugh. There's no one conglomerated Asian experience. I want to explore this all through themed episodes. So the next episode will focus on a topic that we probably don't talk about enough, suicide. And other episodes we'll be talking about filial piety, cannabis, ancestral medicine, and more. I will also have interviews like last season here and there. Episodes were released every two weeks last season, but chances are it will take a little longer this time around. I want to be intentional and not rushed for these. It's my new thing, so I appreciate your patience. My hope is that these stories are ones you can relate to, learn from, and can help you imagine your own ideal world. And if it does, please let me know. Feel free to email me at nisha at nishaland.com, give me a review, follow me on Instagram, whatever. I am always happy to hear from you. It makes my heart so, so, so warm. That's it for this episode. I just wanted to welcome you back, welcome myself back, and ground all of us in a better world full of healing, justice, and liberation. Thank you to Shin Kawasaki for the Migrations theme song, Find Another Way, and to Tiffany Wong for creating the cover art. And of course, thanks to Quincy Sura-Smith for editing this episode. See you next time. Oh,